Well, good morning. It is time for our children to be dismissed. If you have kids in kids' church, they can go to the back uh, where Cody and Megan are. And then if you have kids that need to be taken back to the nursery, you can take them and get them checked into the nursery. Well, welcome to each of you. Thank you for joining us today for our worship service. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. Our fallen world has come up with countless ideas uh, on how people are to please God. Countless ideas of how people can be made right with God. And as you look back throughout history and hear some of the stories of what that entails, what that included, there were some of those things that were completely wicked demonic things, horrific practices that were being taken place where people thought, maybe this is what would make God happy. Maybe this is what would cause God to be pleased with me and not be angry with me. But then some of those things that people have come up with actually don't look that bad at all. Uh, some of the things that people came up with were saying, well, you know, you need to be ultimately try to be a good person and God, and God will be happy with you if you're a fairly good person. Or if you follow a certain type of set of rules, then God's going to be pleased with you. God will accept you if you do that. If you remember last week, which Nathan reminded us uh, during our worship time, but last week we were looking at the command from God's Word in Philippians 3 to rejoice in the Lord. And with that command, Paul says, this will guard you, this will protect you from false teaching. And then he used that as an opportunity to contrast the false teachers and the people who are putting their hope in themselves with the true children of God, people who recognize that it is God's work. It's what God has done for us that has made us right with Him. It's out of God's kindness towards us. And so with that command to the rejoice in the Lord, we're picking up with the, this continued thought. And Paul is going to again give us contrast. But here with this contrast that what we're going to see in this passage from Philippians 3 is he's showing what he used to put his hope in. What he believed, this is what will make God happy with me. This is what God will he will approve of me because of these things. And then he contrasts that with what his new hope is. Once he met Jesus Christ, what, what the only hope is that he had and that the whole world has can only be found in Christ Jesus. So I've titled my sermon, The Joy of Trusting in Jesus. The joy of trusting in Jesus. There is a joy that is produced in believers' lives who are resting in what God has accomplished for us, who are resting in what Jesus Christ has done for us. I'm going to read the passage, Philippians 3, verses 4 through 9, and then I'll pray for us. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh... If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. 
circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Let's pray. God, Your Word is good and true. And what a beautiful reminder we have today of where our hope lies. I pray that You will open our ears, open our hearts to see and to believe the only hope that we can have, which is found in Jesus. I pray that if there are some who have not trusted in Christ and put their faith in Christ, that they would be drawn to this truth today. That they would hear clearly of the only hope that we have, the good news of the gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ. For the church today, I pray that we will be reminded and that we will be able to rest in this reality that is ours because of the accomplished work of Christ Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So as we work our way through this text, we're going to be looking at uh, trusting in the Lord, trusting in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And the first thing that we're going to see from this text is this. Trusting in Jesus goes against the way of the world. Trusting in Jesus goes against the way of the world. I mentioned in my introduction that the world has constantly throughout history and continues through today seeking out other things to put our hope in, holding out other things, saying this is what you can hope in, this is what you can trust in. And God's Word is showing us here this is a reality. People have always put their hope in other things than Jesus Christ. Let's look back at verses 4 through 6. Paul speaking, he says this, Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. All of these are worldly things. And Paul is saying, this is what I used to hold on to. This is what I put my hope in before I met Jesus. 
Last week the text said, the true children of God put no confidence in the flesh, no confidence in anything about themselves, only putting confidence in Jesus Christ, only boasting in Jesus and what Jesus has done. And so Paul says, he contrasts now, and he says, look, we remember the false teachers, and he had those harsh words for them. He calls them the dogs. He calls them the workers of evil, the mutilators of flesh. And these are just the people who were saying, follow God's law perfectly and God will approve of you. If you'll just do all of the law the right way, God's going to accept you. And Paul says, these people are wicked. They are evil because they're telling you that your salvation is grounded in what you can do and what you can accomplish. And so Paul now wants to say, okay, remember I mentioned there are people that are boasting in themselves, bragging on how good they are and what all they've accomplished. He says, if there's anyone who has something to brag in about themselves, it would have been me. And he goes into this list in verses four, I mean in verses five and six, and kind of details before Christ, here are the things that I put my hope in. Here are the things that I could say, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I have going for me. So let's take a look at those. Paul has the like two kind of categories, and when you look at these seven things that he says, this is what I put my hope in. The first one is his heritage, his religious and cultural national heritage. He put his hope in that. And so he says in verse 5, he was circumcised on the eighth day, a requirement for the nation of Israel, and before the nation of Israel, all the way back to Abraham. This is a sign that you should do with your male children. They should be circumcised on the eighth day. And Paul says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. My parents led me in following the religious rules. And I did, and my family did exactly what was expected of them. And then he goes on. The next thing about his heritage that he's has to boast in. He's of the nation of Israel. God's chosen people. He says, I'm from the nation of Israel. I'm not an outsider who slid in. I'm from the nation of Israel. And more specifically, he says, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was one of the two tribes when the nation split apart after Solomon Benjamin was one of the two tribes that remained faithful to David's lineage. The tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah. And Benjamin is where Jerusalem is seated. The city of Jerusalem, where the, sacrifice, where the sacrifices take place, is in the tribe of Benjamin. So he says, so not only am I an Israelite, but I'm of one of the tribes that was a faithful tribe... And I'm where the seat of sacrifices to God took place. This is where my people are from. And then he goes on and says, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Not only is he a Jew, he's with this kind of language, the way he doubles this up here. He's saying, 
Like, my parents were devout Jews. They raised me to be a devout Jew. So he has all of these things about his heritage that he's saying, man, I could brag on these things. You think you've got something to brag about? Let me tell you about how good I am. And then he's going to turn to the next category of things that he boasted in, that he put his hope in, and that is his performance. So at the end of verse 5, he says, regarding the law, a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the most devout group of his time at obedience to God's law. They worked tirelessly to understand God's word, understand God's expectations. They studied it and they practiced it as faithful as they could. And they even added to, you know, trying to clarify some understandings of what does God's word when he says this is what his people are supposed to do. What does that look like? And they have all of these instructions. And so Paul says, I was a Pharisee. I was one of the faithful ones. And then in verse 6, regarding zeal, regarding his passion for God, he says, I was a persecutor of the church. Now, we hear that and we think, well, that's not something you should brag about. But what he was trying to point out is how faithful he was in following God, that he was willing to persecute individuals. He was willing to bring down judgment upon individuals who were not being faithful in his mind. He was zealous for God. He was passionate for his being obedient to God. And then lastly, he says, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. Now, Paul's not claiming that he was sinless. He's not saying he never sinned. Uh, but what he's saying is he followed the law as perfectly as he could. And what that included for the Old Testament uh, children of God was if they sinned, then they had to follow through with doing the appropriate sacrifices. And if they did that, then they would be viewed as blameless because they followed the sacrifices that they were supposed to do. So Paul has all of these, all of these things going for him. All of his things that have been passed on to him from his family, his religious uh, practices, his faith, his nationality, and then he's worked as hard as anyone to be an obedient child of God, a faithful child of God. So he has lots of things in his own mind that he used to put, it, put trust in, and lots of things that in the eyes of the world they would say, well, surely that guy, God's got to love him. Look at how much he's, how faithful he is. Look at how good he, Paul is. And so from this, we're reminded that the world provides us with countless things about ourselves and countless things outside of God that we could trust in. Things that we think, this will surely make me right with God. Surely God's going to love me because of this. We may put our hope in our heritage. We may put our hope in our own obedience to God. We may put our hope in some religious practice that we went through when we were a kid or years ago. Well, I was baptized 
back when I was a kid. Or my parents raised me in this church. My parents were a founder, or my grandparents were a founder of a church. And we can end up putting our hope in things of this world. And Paul is saying, hey, that's, that's who I was. I put my hope in all of these things about myself. We love the idea in our culture of a self-made man. We love the idea of people who've pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps. And the downfall of that is sometimes we apply this to our faith and we start to think, well, I'm the one that's done this. I've worked hard at pleasing God. I've worked hard to make myself okay with God. And we start to think that this is what we have done and not realizing that this is what God has done. What we learn from this is that none of these things are how we can have... None of these things are how we are made right with God. There's not one thing about us. There's not one thing about our identity. There's not one thing about something that we've done that will make us right with God. And so today, church, I want us to ask, what are we trusting in? What are we putting our hope in to make us right with God? Do you think that there's something about you, something that you've done, or some identity that you have that makes you right with God and makes you accepted or loved or approved of by God? Church, we've got to remember that there is nothing about us that will make us right with God. There's nothing about me inherently that God would look at and say, okay, David, he's, he's one of mine because he has done this. He's one of mine because he has these things going for him. It's not in us of what makes us right with our Lord. And so I want us to take an honest look and ask, okay, what are things that I put my hope in? What are things that I'm trusting in? Because even if we've put our faith in Christ for salvation, our hearts are tempted to still look at things about ourselves to think that this is why God loves me or this is why God approves of me. And we need to ask, God, is there something that I'm holding on to about me and about things that I've done or am doing that I feel like this is why you love me? I want us to ask that question. And then if you are here and you've never trusted in Christ, if you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation, we want you to know that God's Word is telling us that although there are countless things that this world holds out and says, just put your hope in this, just do this, and surely God will accept you if you're this way. Maybe if you're just a good person, comparatively speaking, Or maybe if you follow certain things, God's going to love you. He'll accept you that way. None of those things will make you right with God. Not one thing about you, nothing that you've done, nothing about you can make you right with a holy God. And that's bad news for all of us. That's bad news. But there's really good news. 
And the really good news is that God's word gives us the answer that we're looking for. God's word tells us, here's what you need to be made right with me. And so as we work our way through this, that's where Paul is going to turn us now. He's going to say, look, I used to put my hope in all of these things, things of this world. But then I met Jesus. And I've realized that Jesus is the only hope that I have. He's the only hope that any of us have. And so let's look at how Paul details this. That takes us to our second point. Trusting in Jesus highlights the supreme value of Jesus. Trusting in Jesus highlights the supreme value of Jesus. Let's look at how Paul describes this in verses 7 and 8 back in Philippians 3. But everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of Him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. Trusting in Jesus highlights the supreme value of Jesus. Paul has so many things that he says, look, I had something to brag about. I had all of these things that I could boast in about myself. And now he's going to say, I've learned something. Those things didn't ever matter. Those things aren't what made me right with God. What a change in his thinking. His thinking's been turned upside down or right side up more accurately. He's finally seeing the reality that nothing about me made me right with God. And so Paul's going to describe this. What we saw here is Paul describes this in uh, accounting terms. He's looking at it from the standpoint of like looking at a ledger in his time, looking at an accounting ledger, you would have two columns, gains and losses, assets, the things that are of value to you, and liabilities, your debts. And Paul describes what he used to put his hope in and what he's putting his hope in now in this line of thinking. I used to think that all of these things I had going for me were my gains. I thought that those were the things that were my assets, my spiritual assets. But now, he recognizes those are actually losses. He had them in the wrong category. He thought these were things that actually made him right with God. And he says, I've learned those were not gains for me. These were losses for Jesus Christ. And to clarify, so the reason that these things are losses, even though they may have looked pretty good, the reason that they are losses is they were actually keeping him from Christ. It was these things that he bragged on about himself that were holding him back from his relationship with God because he was putting all of his hope in himself. Look at me. Look at what I've done. God has to love me. Because of all of this stuff that I've got going for me. 
And then he says, but you know what? I learned all of that was a loss. Because of Jesus, my categories have been corrected. Those things are losses to me. And there's only one gain. And it's the only gain that I need. It's Jesus. And so he goes on to say, not only do I recognize that the things about me that I boasted in, that those are losses. He says, I've, I've learned to understand that everything in this world is a loss. Everything in this world is a liability for me. None of these hold any value compared to knowing Jesus, my Lord, is what he says. And he's not talking about knowing about Jesus. He's not talking about having a lot of biblical knowledge about Jesus. He's talking about a personal relationship. This is his Lord and Savior. And he says, I've learned that everything in this world is of no value. It is worthless to me because of Jesus Christ. The one gain that I desperately need and the one gain that everybody desperately needs. Knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior is a supreme value to anything about yourself. To anything that you could ever do. It is of supreme value. And he goes on to try to clarify what he means by that. He's not saying like, well, these things I used to put all my hope in, now I just view them as kind of good things, but I've added Jesus to them. Because the language that he uses is pointing out, I'm, I mean these are worthless. He says, this is the stuff I used to put my hope in, I consider it as dung. It is waste. It is garbage. It is something that you would cast off. Because it holds no value. Everything in this world holds no value. Only Jesus Christ. He's the only thing that we need. He's the only hope that we have. Knowing Jesus is worth more than anything in this world. He has the supreme value. He's the greatest treasure but we keep pursuing other things in this world. We keep chasing after other things, thinking this is what I truly need. And that reminded me of Jesus' question in Matthew chapter 16, where he's telling the disciples, take up your cross and follow me. And he asked this profound question, Matthew 16 and verse 26. For what will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? Some of your translations may say, what will it benefit anyone to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Jesus asked this profound question for us to consider. Making the point that no matter what you gain in this world, 
no matter what you have going for you in this world, no matter what treasures you seek, without Jesus, it's a complete loss. It's a complete loss. And yet the world keeps holding out things before us, saying, pursue this, chase it. After this, and our hearts are tempted to run after them, thinking this is how I'll be happy. This is how I'll be safe. This is how God will love me and approve of me if I just follow these things. We put our value in the wrong place. And Paul reminds us in this passage, Jesus is of supreme value. He's worth more than anything about you and He's worth more than anything that this world has to offer. So we've got to reorient our thinking around this. And so church, for us, we've got to start treasuring Jesus Christ above everything else. We need to grasp the reality about Jesus that He truly is of more value than anything that this world has to offer. So would you join me in asking God today and this week, God, help me believe in the supreme worth of Jesus. Help me recognize that He truly is worth more than anything and that I can stop chasing after other things. I can stop putting my hope in other things because He's worth far more. They don't even compare Let's ask God to produce that thinking in us. That's when lives start to change. When we realize that Jesus Christ is of supreme value to everything that this world has to offer. That's when churches start impacting their communities. When they together, collectively hold out Christ as the supreme value and as the only hope that this world has Communities start changing. Lives start changing. Lost people are found because they learn, here's the hope. Here's the answer that you've been trying to figure out on your own. And it's simple. Just trust in Jesus. The last point from this text is this. Trusting in Jesus is the only way to righteousness. Trusting in Jesus is the only way to righteousness. It's the, it's the only way that we can be made right with God. Let's look at verse 9 back in the Philippians 3. And be found in Him. Right, He ended verse 8 saying, So that I may gain Christ. Verse 9, And be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. Paul says, I finally learned. I've got to put my hope, all of my hope, in Jesus Christ. I used to have all my chips over on myself. Look at what I've been able to do. Look at how good I am. Look at how faithful I am. And he says, I've learned that that's not what I need. And so he says, I moved all my chips over to Jesus. He's the only hope that I have. 
And Paul says he wants to be found in Jesus. And so he's using that language. The scripture teaches us that when we put our faith in Christ, we are united to Jesus Christ. And so when Paul says, I want to be found in him, he's saying, that's what I've learned is my hope, is to be united to Jesus not anything about myself. I want to be found in Jesus. And that's true for all of us who have put our faith in Christ. We are united to Him. And then Paul says, I don't want to trust in my own ability anymore. That was a fruitless task. I spent years chasing after these own things about myself, thinking this will make God happy. He's going to be pleased with me because of this. And he's saying, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to pursue this anymore. I just want true righteousness. And he explains that the only way that we can be made right with God is through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's believing in Him and trusting that He has done everything that was necessary to please God. And then He died in our place. He took the punishment for our sin. And if we would come to Him in faith, if we would just believe in Him, Paul is saying, that's how you will receive the righteousness that you're chasing after. These people who, he's talking to the Philippians, he said, look, these people have been teaching you that you need to chase after things about yourself. He's like, that's not where hope can be found. It's only found in Jesus. And so he says, I don't want to pursue anything about myself anymore. I don't want to try to say, well, I'm going to make myself right with God by following the law. I'm just going to come to God in faith. I'm going to trust in Jesus as my Savior. And God, God's Word teaches us that that's how we're justified. That's how we are declared righteous or made right with God. It's through faith in Jesus. It's not anything that we've done. It's just us saying, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and you've provided Him in Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we are declared righteous. We have what's called an imputed righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus has been given to us. He didn't just take the punishment for our sins. But He gave us His righteousness so that when God sees us, He sees us standing in Jesus' righteousness. He doesn't see us as someone who's believed in Jesus, but who's also worked really hard to be good. He says, that's my child. And that happens only through faith in Christ. It's only believing in Him. Look at what... Paul says in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I love this verse. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made his son, Jesus, who was perfectly obedient never did anything wrong, was always faithful to God. He made Him to be sin. He put the punishment for our sin on Him. 
And he did that so that if we would come in faith, if we would just believe that we would have the righteousness of God that God requires of us. I love that. What a beautiful, wonderful reality for us. God loves us and sent His Son to die for us so that if we would just believe, we would be made right with God. He would declare us righteous. He would give us Jesus' righteousness. If you have not believed in Jesus, if you have not trusted in Christ, and maybe you're not quite sure what that means, or maybe you've heard that all your life and you've never done it. If you've never trusted in Jesus for your salvation, would you believe in Him today? He's the only way that you can be made right with God. And if you would just believe in Him, if you would just receive the righteousness from God that comes from Him by trusting in Him instead of anything about yourself, you'll be forgiven. You will be adopted as a child of God. God will look at you and say, that's my son. That's my daughter. You will have a relationship with God now. And you have the promise of eternal life in His presence And so if you want to know more about trusting in Christ and the the salvation that comes from putting your faith in Christ, the forgiveness that you can receive, I urge you to schedule a time to meet with me. You can catch me outside. I'll be standing at the doors. And just let me know, I, I need to talk to you about Jesus. And I would find no greater joy than to share with you the good news of the gospel and the hope that you can have, the hope that any of us have because of Jesus Christ. You can also just fill out one of the yellow cards on the back of your seat. Just say, I I want to schedule a meeting with the pastor and we'll get together and we'll talk about this hope. Church, believers, would you today rest in the righteousness that you have in Christ Jesus? We can quit striving we can quit running, thinking like, God, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to make you happy. We don't have to live life thinking like that. God has already approved of us. He already looks at you. If you have trusted in Jesus, He already looks at you as His son and the daughters that He loves. So let's rest in that. Let's not struggle every day with this extra burden of, I I hope that I can make God happy. He loves you. He loved you so much that He sent Jesus to die in your place so that you could be His adopted child. So let's rest in that reality today. Let's rest in the the truth that we are God's children, sons and daughters of the Most High God. He loves you. He's approved of you, not because of you, but because of Jesus. So what a wonderful reminder from God's Word today. Although we have countless things that... The world's telling us, put your hope in this. We have countless things that our hearts are prone to chase after. 
we don't have to wonder what's going to make God happy. What's going to make God approve of me? What's going to make me right with the perfect and holy God? God's words told us. Scripture is clear. The righteousness that we need and the righteousness that we're chasing after, it's only found in Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't trusted in Him, please do so today. And church, let's treasure Christ above everything because this is true. And let's rest in the righteousness that we have that comes through faith in Him. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You've told us what's necessary to make us right with You. And You've made it so simple. All we have to do is come and accept Christ in faith. So for those who haven't done that, Holy Spirit, I pray that you work in hearts and minds right now to help people realize that that's the only hope that they have. And God, for your children, for the church, I pray that we can rest in this reality, that we can accept that you have loved us and approved of us because of Jesus, not because of anything about ourselves. Let that change our lives for your glory, God. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.